anytime we're having trouble understanding whether or not you end up agreeing. You could still listen and spend time outside of your own self and still disagree. But I think at any time, if you're willing and trying to be empathetic, your best bet is to listen, hands down. everybody, Mike here with my very, very, very special guest, Bonnie Lewis. Bonnie, hello. hello. Welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm good. It's so good to be back. Bonnie, for those of you who are new to the podcast, Bonnie is a dear friend of mine um, who I initially met. And I always tell the story because it's it's just so awesome. And in fact, I had a guy from Rock Harbor, Bonnie, who was offended uh, he came up to me after our first podcast <laughs> together. He was like, "Oh, I thought I, I, I thought I had a good one," and I was like, "No." Um, like, I'm so sorry, I, I said that. But. I worked, I worked at a church called Rock Harbor uh, back in the day, and I was a teaching pastor, and we were trying to raise up other teachers, so we did this teaching class and ha- opened it up for uh, people in the community to send in uh, their own teaching tapes and get critiqued and whatever, and literally. Uh, the best, and I'm sorry I tell this story every time, Bonnie, but the by far the best one was from a 19-year-old young lady named Bonnie Lewis. And there that has, go. she's been a research assistant for me. Um, I've been a research assistant for her, and it has been absolutely glorious. So, Bonnie, um, you now live in Texas, where you've been for a couple years now? Three? Yeah, almost two. two? Almost, almost two. two. Yeah. And um, I guess the big news, Bonnie... Yes. Is that you You decided that Eugene Peterson can't have all the fun um, <laughs> yeah. in, in writing uh, translations of the Bible. Or N.T. Wright, he can't have all the fun. So we're translating the Bible. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. I, about a month ago, um, well, it's been in progress, in process for over a year. But a month ago, I let the world know and put it on Kickstarter. So okay, it's actually so- a, a translation. It's up on Kickstarter right now. Okay, so so and it's called. It's what? called Tim Shell. Spell it. T I M S H E L. Oh, it's that. Okay, Tim Shell. And yeah. what's that mean in Hebrew? Okay, so it means thou mayest, or like loosely oh. translated, we have a choice. Oh. And yeah, it's in Genesis twenty-two. Or excuse me, it's in Genesis. The first passage we translated was Genesis twenty-two, but it's this idea of conscience and when. God is using it to talk to Cain after he kills Abel and saying, um, like basically when you're confronted with a situation or with something, you have a choice of how you will react. And, um, and so I named it that for a few reasons. One being we went through and you and I have talked about this in the grief and loss podcast we did together, but, um, we went through like a really rough season where I had delivered our second son as a stillborn. Yeah. And at the time, yeah. I was really convinced that that was happened because of something that I did wrong. Oh. Um, so it was a punishment from God. Yeah. And I was really confronted with, I think, two options there for me, at least, which was either I throw this all out and yeah. say, like, he isn't he isn't who I thought he was and he's yep. not loving and he's not kind and he's not good. Or I have a choice and I could try to dig in and just see what I find and see mm. and see what happens. And so mm. we did that. And that was actually the beginning of what we would like to call like our deconstruction to reconstruction phase. And we really came out new people. Our picture of God is bigger. Our view of Jesus is bigger and deeper and more full. 
Um, and so that's kind of where I got it. But on a personal note, when we cremated our son, um, we spread his ashes up at Red Rocks Amphitheater in Colorado. And there's like this hiking place and then there's this mountain that comes down. And so when we walked down the mountain, we actually listened to the song by Mumford and Sons called Tim Shelf. And it was uh-huh. really moving and good. And it's kind of about the same thing, um, but about how we can be with each other in these seasons where we're trying to figure things out. So there was a academic reason and a personal reason <laughs> I needed <it> that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. And, and what, Sweet Bonnie, mm-hmm. got what? What is it that decided? Okay, you needed to write a translation of of the Bible. I yes. love it. Yes. So we, I had been kind of on. First like of all, like, Bonnie, I'm yeah. sorry. You're a woman. You're not even allowed to teach it, let alone translate it. I don't know if you know that. I know. But, That's but why it's clearly, really, it's just really, really, clearly <laughs> a problem. <laughs> and you know what? Actually, that has been said to me in this past month. So. But, oh, oh, jeez. Yeah. I was on kind of what you might like what I describe as the preaching circuit. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like te- people were hiring me to preach and teach and, and that's great. And I love doing that. And I still do that. But um, something about it that's interesting that I would hear time and time again is, I mean, obviously for better, I mean, like all intents and purposes, everything I know about preaching, you taught me. So oh <laughs> if I am preaching, well, I'm doing it as you, you modeled and as you taught me, which was, you know, like you dive into these four different lenses, you look at it through the historical context, what does the language say? And when you preach, you, you tell those things to make this a fuller story. Well, so I would preach and people would always say, I had never heard that. Where can you tell me where you found that? And I'd be like, absolutely. And send them references. And then I would follow up and be like, did you read that? And they would be like, yeah, I didn't know. Or like, it was so (laughs) dry. And I was like, yeah, that's fair. Um, I understand that you're not going to read that. But the problem is, is the other thing I was hearing all the time was, I don't know how to pick up my Bible. It's all, it's very confusing. Um, I don't, I don't know how to pick it up and read it and know it. Um, I feel like I'm lost. I don't, I don't have the time or necessarily the drive to pick it to, you know, do all this research. So I heard that on one end and then being in the kind of space I'm in with people that are deconstructing the same thing saying, Mm -hmm. like, I don't know what I believe, but I know that I still love Jesus, but I need to understand these Bible stories in a new way because I have spiritual trauma from like certain mm-hmm. ones or mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. I know someone that said she, the Genesis 22 story of Abraham sacrificing a son. She used it as like, this is when she, her child was born. She left the faith and she's like, now that I have a kid, I can't believe in a God that would ever ask anybody mm-hmm. to sacrifice their son. And so there's all, I just realized like, okay, there are so many things, but this was the big kicker for me is that what we don't need, I don't think, is another person to follow. So I don't need someone saying, this is what Bonnie thinks about the text. You don't need that. Like if anybody's searching for Jesus, they're not going to find him necessarily just reading another book by another author. What we need Mm -hmm. is an an encounter with Jesus. And so that was important. That was really important to me. And so I just said, you know what, like, let's do this. Let's take 20 of these, 20 of the main stories Mm-hmm. 10 from the old, 10 from the new that we've all either heard or at least heard about. And let's bring in the context to it, uh, the cultural context, the language, and let's include it into the writing um, to match the genre of the passage so that anybody 
no matter where you're at, if you've never heard the story, you've heard it a million times, can pick it up and um, get a conversation out of it, like with the Lord and with your friends and wrestle with it and look it up and, you know, really make us these people that are willing to dive deep into scripture when we might feel that that's too hard of a task when it's just our NIV that we've always read or whatever. Right. So, so when you talk about, when you use the word translation, right, that's <laughs> a deliberate word yeah. and, and there's a spectrum as we know mm-hmm. of, of translating where there's very literal wooden, like word for word, this word maps onto this word. There's thought yeah. for thought, this thought maps into this thought. There's a free, you know, a paraphrase like the living's living Bible, or some would say the message is that too. Mm-hmm. Where, where do you see, where do you see Tim Shaw fallen on that spectrum? Yeah. So I would say it's definitely on like the fringy end, <laughs> um, <laughs> like past the message. But what's interesting about it is because I can't do anything normal. There is some that it is word for word. Right. So if you were to read the the passage, um, anytime God spoke, I left that word for word. That was important to me to be like, no, this is word for word. And then there's some of it that is thought for thought and some of it that is paraphrased. And the reason why I did that is it was important to me, like, for example, a thought for thought translation, your goal is readability um, to use the language of the day, which God does all the time, right? Like in scripture, he does it. He, in all the different books, he takes a literary genre that like was normally used in the ancient Near East and then uses it to bring about his own story. So right. even, even in the story we translated like Abraham and Isaac. So here you have Abraham who child sacrifice was like a part of his religion. And so he uses that to show Abraham who he is and who he is not. And so the point in terms of, of Tim Shell is we do that as we say like, okay, so some of this is word for word, but some of it is thought for thought, but the main spiritual accuracy, the main spiritual point is kept intact. And that's our main point with it um, versus like, we're not too worried about sentence structure or too worried about word for word, but going the spiritual truth about who God is, is kept intact in each of the passages. So, so I imagine <laughs> I, I would because imagine. you know Christian. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I mean it, it's, um, it, yeah. So I, and I can predict the responses, but right. What have been what have been some of the positive responses, and what have been some of the negative responses? Because there, there's this, there's this like, well, it's the Bible. I mean, you can't right. translate the Bible. It's just you. Totally. You can't just translate the thing. Yep. Um, and, and you're doing probably a lot of interpreting, um, mm-hmm. as it's, you know, and then there were these big committees of, um, um, you know, white men mostly who, who decided <laughs> what we saw. So, I mean, so, so I'm not, I'm not for or against it. I don't understand it. And I would never undertake such a project, but I imagine it, it stirred up some things. Yeah. Yeah. The going into it was kind of tough because it was like, I felt really called to do it. Um, and it was one of those things that I don't say that lightly. I don't say like, I felt called to make brownies. Like that's not my <laughs> vocabulary normally. Um, so, and it was kind of one of those things that I kind of dragged my feet on because exactly what you said, like, this is, is this okay? Is this fine? Like, am I even allowed? Is this like, is this <laughs> totally. allowed to do this? Totally. Um, but doing <laughs> the research on it is I kind of finally came to a point and had, I've, people that trusted advisors say like, Mm -hmm. yes, you're allowed to do this. And, you know, and here's why. Um, 
And so I'm going to start with the bad. The bad is what exactly what you think. We have a few people who have who have said why isn't a commentary? Why? Um, mm-hmm. And again, I would say what's different about a commentary would be like if I was a subject matter expert and I'm saying like historically this is what happened. That mm-hmm. would be one thing. Um, that would be a commentary. I am when I do my research and for example when we translated this passage is I am leaning on the shoulders of all the experts. So like I probably read at l- upwards of a hundred books just for this one passage mm-hmm. on the historical context and did my own exegesis and then word languages and commentaries and, and weighed it all and said like, okay, who are we talking about? What was the time? What are the words here? And mm-hmm. then said like general consensus, what is that? Do you know what I mean? Like right. there's right. no way, obviously it's perfect because I think that we can all agree anything we ever do is not going to be, um, but in saying general consensus of these thought leaders and of faith and theology throughout history and of the whole narrative of the Bible, this is what we know to be true. Mm-hmm. And this is the spiritual truth about God that comes out of it. And so there's a lot of faith faith involved in that, obviously, right? Like, as I'm going, like, I think, yeah. but what's great is that <laughs> I have a team of people that help me and that fact check. And that say, you can't do that or no, that sounds like you and doesn't sound like him or, you know, whatever it is. And that's like super humbling. But because like, so for example, like I think in the translation, like, you know, I had just said um, the, what was I just going to say? Oh, the child sacrifice was part of like Abraham's religion before he became a monotheist. And so I wanted to say that, you know, Abraham thought it was barbaric and that, you know, blah, blah, blah. And one of the people on my team was like, you can't really say that. Like he might've not liked it, but it was like, you need to read up more on what the religion was and what they thought of it and what its purposes was. And so like, that still makes me uncomfortable about the passage, like this hero of our faith, like, mm-hmm. oh wait, he came from where and they did what, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's, mm-hmm. it was kind of like this balance. And so people want to know why it's not a commentary, but again, it was important to me. Like, I don't need to be known for anything. So I didn't need someone saying, this is what Bonnie thinks about this passage. Like mm-hmm. I could do that again and it would be vastly different than this translation. Cause what I think about it is different than I think what it says. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that. So people are uncomfortable, a little bit uncomfortable with that and that's fine. Um, I understand why they would be. Um, and then, I've had a few people say, say you're a woman, so you can't do that. And what's interesting about that is that's been mostly men. A few women have, have <laughs> oh, also really? said Oh, really? Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. And yeah. I think I think sometimes, um, regardless of theology, I think sometimes when you are, and I'm speaking this from a woman, when I, before I was doing something that I was cared about or passionate about, when I saw another woman doing something they cared about or passionate about that seemed to break a rule, it held up a mirror to my own life and going like, why is she allowed to do that and not me? Mm-hmm. Because we really have been a part of a culture for a long time that has told us there are a set of rules of things you can and cannot do. So when you see somebody stepping out, it kind of reminds you like, am I, wait, could I do something that I want to do that seems risky or that seems to go against, mm-hmm. against things? So there's a not, and then um, that's been the consensus. A few smaller voices um, saying, you know, you're a heretic and I'm praying for your lost soul and things like that. Um, and that has happened to me for like 10 years. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not 
none of these new. are new. No, 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 no. And that's the thing is like, none of these are new. And, and the best thing I can say to someone too, is I'm like, do you have a life application Bible? And they're like, yeah. Where yeah. Do you have study written. notes? Yeah. And then it's all these study notes at the bottom. I was like, the thing is, is I might preach and speak, but first and foremost, I'm a writer. And so I literally just took the study notes and put them into the text to challenge myself as a writer. So that's, I'm like, if you are comfortable with going to a church and hearing a sermon, it's, it's the exact same thing of somebody explaining to you all this background and things about it. So, so there's, there's been that. What has come that's been really beautiful, the good feedback that I didn't know, because you kind of put something out there. I mean, you know this, and you like really don't know who's going to cling to it. Right. And so you're like, well, well, like, here's to hoping. Um, <laughs> so a few people who um, are just like ordinary people that are just trying to love Jesus and read the Bible have been like, this is huge for me because I feel like I can understand it, but not in a way that dumbs it down in a way that makes it more full. And so that's been great because mm. it feels like this is the Bible for everybody. That's like the anybody goal, yeah. can read it. Yeah, exactly. And then the other thing that's been beautiful is so many people in this um, that have either been burned by the church, um, have spiritual trauma, I get messages every day and they're saying, I haven't read the Bible in 10 years. I read, honestly, I read your passage to mock it. And I found myself on my knees just in tears. And I think that God actually does love me and I will mm. read this. And so mm. things like that of saying like, this made me remember that God is there and he cares and he loves. And so that has been so beautiful. That's been like just mm -hmm. amazing about it. Um. We could go on about this. Yeah. I, was, I mean, <laughs> hi, I'm Bonnie. What do you do, Bonnie? Oh, I'm translating the Bible. You know what is so funny? I went to this function and this, I was like just being me and like just telling stories and jokes. And so, this lady said, well, you have to tell me what you do for a living. And I said, oh, well, I'm a pastor and I just, I'm translating the Bible. She got like so stone cold face. And she goes, I'm sorry, I'm so taken aback. I thought it would be something more fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. And I was like, We're I guess working it on those stereotypes. Okay? Yeah, seriously. Um, so good. Okay, so Tim Shell, Kickstarter, you got we got a week left. Yeah, so we're like forty percent right? funded. Okay. And they say you make your last in the last week. So um and the thing is is the it's like the goal's thirty one thousand. So we're about forty percent funded. We have six days left. I don't make a penny off of it. So right, it right. pays for the printing of the book, um, which was big for me. It's a hand woven, like really nice. I wanted it to mirror just how beautiful the gospel is. But also um, I didn't feel comfortable sending it off to like some unethical printing situation. And so it's done here in America. And so the um, that's really important to me in terms of just like an ethical standard there. So you can get a hardcover, softcover, but um, digital things. There's lots of things. And so it's on Kickstarter. You can go to bit.ly forward slash Tim Shell Project. Um, and it's so, yeah, it's on there. We have about a week left, but it's been really exciting. And like I was saying, so it goes through the printing of the book, the making of the movie. My friend who's a filmmaker made it, but I'd like to be able to pay him for his craft. Um, I have an editor on the team. I have a psychologist on the team. I have a graphic designer and then an artist. So all of them, if it's fully funded, will get paid and you'll get a book in your hands. Um, and that's it. So I just want to make it so I can pay people for these for 22 their craft. stories. 
These 22 it's stories. 20. 20 stories. Genesis 22 is the first one that we translated. Oh, so it's on 20 the Kickstarter stories. That's page. right. 10 and 10. Yeah. Okay. You're right. Yes. I got, I got yeah. Genesis 22. All right. Well, I'm interested in what our our audience will think of this. I think that. Yeah. Think, because what, what's. Bag. Well, what's fascinating is this, this project is going to raise. Um, unstated assumptions and views mm-hmm. about the Bible, what the Bible is, what it's not, yep. who can touch it. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's, so that's so that's interesting to me. But um, so thank you, Bonnie. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to also talk a little bit about this uh, this idea of toxic masculinity that's all over. You've experienced right. a little bit of that obviously in this project, but there was a, <laughs> there was a Gillette ad, of course that um, and I, I, I talked you know Sky Jathani, um, yes. he's a podcaster yes. too. I was on his podcast and we kind of had this patreon only conversation about it, but I was like, I want to do some more work on that because it's a super interesting conversation to me. So first of all, did you see the Gillette ad? Yes, have you I seen saw it? it? Okay, and it's and for those of you who have not seen it, you can Google it right now. Um, it's essentially um, uh, a series of vignettes where boys and men are behaving badly. So there's mm-hmm. one where a, a, a corporate CEO was mansplaining over a, a, a point uh, an executive woman had made. There are some boys chasing another little boy um, to bully him. There's some stuff you know texted and written online about another. Uh, another young boy. Uh, there's some, you know, leering and sort of suggestiveness. Yeah. Um, so, so I mean, it covers kind of the gamut of 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 what's you know commonly associated with bad. Um, and and in the background are these Me Too sort of moments playing on you know different TV stations and all those sorts of things. And then there's this line of men who are barbecuing in the backyard. <laughs> yes, that is a This was random. weird. <laughs> and and they're watching two little boys fight. And and all of them are saying in unison boys will be boys. Boys it's will like be a, boys. It's so creepy. Yeah. <laughs> so creepy. And and so the commercial ends of course with one of the adults coming over and breaking up the fight, one of the adults um, you know, uh, rescuing the boy that was going to be bullied. So it's an right. interesting it's an interesting uh, and, and Sky's take on it was super interesting because he's like, I want to talk about what what sort of virtue signaling corporations are doing now, you know, mm, um, mm-hmm. with, with, with with what Nike did with Colin Kaepernick. And and obviously this one is pretty significant. But I, I just wanted to talk a bit about the conversation about toxic masculinity because the mm-hmm. reactions to this, not surprisingly, um, were uh, were very polarized. And uh, I just thought, okay, well, this this is interesting. So, I mean, when you saw it, what what was your first uh, what was your first thought as the mother of sons and a wife of a husband? And right, yeah. So uh, you, it's you've funny got your you've got your feminine qualifications all lined up. I sure do. Um, it's not. I wouldn't consider like my husband, especially, but either my son did fit in any of those stereotypes that are in the video. At the same time, I think that that probably just comes with hard work and intentionality. So when, when I saw it, I cried, but I do want to say I cry at most commercials. So I don't know if that's, you know, like so here's a Ford F-150. <laughs> and I'm like, did we're, you we're see crying. that? 
um, oh, rescuing this deer. Yes, yes, and then like I'm always like, look at them. But anyways, <laughs> um, and so I, awesome. I was, yeah, it would. I like it struck me as like a that good for them. Um, that's awesome. And so then I was actually very surprised when I saw all the backlash, which I don't know why I shouldn't be surprised about that stuff anymore, but it actually shocked me. And I had to go rewatch it to be like, what is it? And, and put myself, cause it's easy for me as a woman to go, yeah, good on you. But then to go, okay, if that, if that was about me and there were stereotypes about women, how, how would I feel about that? So I really had to go back and kind of, and kind of look, but I don't know what about you? Cause I wouldn't consider you any of those stereotypes. So like when you saw it, can you align with being like, oh, I could understand why someone might find offense or, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think that's a great question, Bonnie. Um, uh, first of all, anything that promotes alternative visions of masculinity um, and uh, that outside of the sexist, misogynistic, you know, uh, mm -hmm. dominant sort of, uh, I mean, I was watching, I was watching, and this, this will come back. I was watching a movie called the expendables. All right. So okay. this is the dumbest. Oh, but it's, it's so glorious because like when I grew up in the eighties, uh, masculine, uh, imagery consisted around Bruce Willis and Die Hard oh, and totally. Arnold Schwarzenegger yeah. in the Terminator and, and all these Terminator movies and Rocky Balboa slugging it out. Right. So there was this very narrowly defined masculine road. So uh, Stallone comes out, and I don't know when these movies were made, but it's like this ragtag of old guys, this group of old guys who's hired to do all this stuff. But what's fascinating is the portrait of masculinity that I, I see now, and I go, oh my goodness, I would mm -hmm. never have noticed what I'm noticing now. Like the, the women are there purely as accessories. Uh, yeah. the, I, the ideal of the single lonely male who sacrificed relationship for the sake of, you know, this awesomeness, the women are there only to be rescued. They're only there as accessories. They're seen as, as problematic. Uh, they're seen as hindrances and burdens. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's so textbook. So, uh, Mike today is so glad for any positive reinforcement right. to the idea that, you know, peacemaking, uh, mercy, um, uh, standing up to the crowd when the crowd is bullying. I mean, all of those right. ideals, man. And, and, and that, you know, I think any follower of Jesus ought to go. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's, of course, yeah. that's kind of the dude that we're following after. He did a lot of that stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but on the other hand, I, I do think, and, and this is what was so interesting is I read the negative comments and obviously a lot of the negative comments just validated their point, yeah, um, you know, know, which was like, well, okay, you've just, you like just made the point better than yeah, your masculine, your, uh, madness is showing here. Right. <laughs> exactly. But, but that, but, but hold on, just think about what you said, your madness is showing. And that is where I think people began to get upset right. because it's a fine line between where my masculinity ends and where toxic masculinity begins. Right. Yeah. Cause in a mm -hmm. lot of situations, aggression is good. Competition is good. Um, mm -hmm. the, the desire to protect. Um, I mean, in some situations I, I like even thinking about my son, I, I would want him to be adventurous and risk taking and things that would be classically masculine. 
Um, but they become toxic when sin drives them, when the flesh drives them, when, you know, right. whatever, whatever, whatever. So I, I, so on the one hand, I was like, okay, yes, I applaud this completely. On the other hand, I, I was like, okay, how fine is that line between masculine yeah. and toxically? So when you said your manhood is showing, okay, now that's fascinating because someone would hear that and say, the problem isn't manhood. The problem isn't masculinity, right? Yeah, I would say, right? yeah. I, I agree with you. I do want to say, though, I do want to say that here's the problem is that All right, good. you is that some. OK, I've always said say this it, to be true. Say it, Bonnie. You're translating <laughs> the Bible. There's nothing more controversial than you can say. I don't know. Than right no, now. I've, I've always said this to be true. But for people that are on top, OK, yes, yes. Equality can feel like oppression. And so here's the problem is no, I don't always think that as a man, and this is from talking to other men, but you can feel free to say, that's not true. You're a woman is that I don't <laughs> always think that you are aware of your positioning, not you of personally, no, but absolutely. Men. And no, so unde undeniably true. So I say that like a little bit tongue in cheek and I'm sarcastic and I can sometimes have a mouth on me and I know that. So a better way than saying your manhood is right. What I'm saying there is like, hey, your privilege is becoming a parent. Do you know what I mean? Like when of the second somebody says to you, hey, watch out for this in yourself. And our response is immediately to defend and protest and whatever. Right. I think that that's a sign of, hey, wait a second. Like no one is saying you're all like this. And that's a spectrum of like you're saying of toxic masculinity because the line is so fine. And you can beat someone up and it's toxic. You can also catcall a woman and it's still toxic. Poison is poison no matter how much you drink of it. You don't know, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. And so it's tough because if someone is calling out masculinity, toxic masculinity, and saying, hey, this is a this is a problem, right. and people are freaking out about it. I think that we should call that into question and go, okay, but why? Like, why is this? Yeah. That, and why that's are what you I, defensive about this? And that's what I'm trying to explain. I think there's, I think, I think people saw the ad and said, they're not just going after toxic masculinity. They're going there's, after, they're going after masculinity too. Mm, so I think that, I think that was one reaction. I also think that there is a significant number of, of men, and I, I wouldn't say they're all white, who um, who think there is an assault on oh. uh, on masculinity, um, and uh, and the only way to elevate women, and again, these aren't my words; these are their words. But the only way to elevate women is to degrade men, and mm -hmm. so here's just another example of we're all lumped together. We're all you know. So so. So I, cause, cause I had the same thing. I'm like, well, okay, good on you guys. I question your motives in releasing this ad. I mean, obviously oh, worked totally. cause here we are yeah. talking about it. Uh, so I'm like, uh, and, and a shaving ad and you go back and look at some of their ads. I'm sorry. Like, so it's like, so the other way. Right. Right. I'm <laughs> like, like, oh, okay. Like so now, <laughs> so shut up. I mean, you know, whatever, but. Right. Um, I, I do think, okay, so, so that was my attempt to kind of understand why, why, why there was a lot of pushback. Right. Okay. Well, cause I, people think, well, that's, it's talking about masculinity. And I think people think that it's part of a much greater, um, attack or agenda or whatever word you're going to use on 
what it is to be masculine. Because one of the things I've been doing lately that's super interesting to me is I've been I've been studying Jordan Peterson a lot. Mm-hmm. And because there's so much about him. Have you ever heard him talk or did you read no. his book or anything? Mm-mm. No, I've just so, heard of him. Yes. But. And then and, and, and like Joe Rogan and Jocko. I don't know Jocko's last name, but there Tim Ferriss. There's this whole yeah. industry of like helping men learn to be men. Yeah. And um, and Jordan, you know, is kind of the intellectual and, you know, people have all sorts of reactions to him. Uh, and I'm not reacting at all to his content. I want to find out why he's speaking so powerfully to young men because mm-hmm. uh, it is it is crazy. So on the one hand, you've got this ad. Um, on the other hand, you've got this huge and I don't know how huge, but huge seemingly press towards, you know, in the Christian circles, it's John Eldridge. Um, mm-hmm. or, or, you know, it used to be Mark Driscoll or, you know, I mean, so, so you've got, there seems to be some problem either way you slice it, right? Mm-hmm. There's obviously this thing, uh, called tax, toxic masculinity. The Christian word for that is just sin, right? right? I mean, it's so, yeah. and we're all infected. So I'm toxic. So you, and you asked me, Hey, do you display some of these stereotypes? No, but I'm toxic in my own ways. Right. Um, right. Um, uh, what about passive masculinity? Right. Mm-hmm. That can be toxic, too. Yeah. Um, where, you know, you just simply you just don't invest your heart in anything and your wife can do whatever your wife can do. You're not engaging with her. Right. right? right. You've withdrawn completely. So so to me, it was um, it was such a good, interesting starting point. Now, back to the idea of privilege that has some legs, because I also and I don't remember if it was from you. Or I heard it if somewhere else. If it was else. a really good thought, it was probably me. It was probably in the Bible that you've written. <laughs> um, it was it was something like the the loss or equality to the privileged. Equality feels like oppression. Yeah, appreciate it, Vox. Yeah, back oh, in when you were the, there. Yes. So I st- okay. So I did steal that from you. Talk about but that. to be fair, I think I stole it from a magazine article. But it was <laughs> perfect. It's all going around, but. In terms of, so there's, you have structural privileges, whether it be in society, in a household, whatever it is. And sometimes like we're in these roles that we're just literally just born into and we don't even realize it. Like as a white woman, I have that over maybe a woman of color, right? So mm-hmm. they're in society, there's all different layers and levels and whatever. But sometimes what can happen is that when somebody who is on top or towards the top is... Um, somebody from down below in this ladder of privilege or the structure is brought up to equality. The people that were on top there that are now equal with the people on the bottom, that equality doesn't feel like equality. It feels like oppression. It feels like, like loss of rights. Their lo- Yeah. Their rights are being called into question. Yeah. Um, they can't. And so people have, I think I spoke about it first when like the black lives matter came mm-hmm. same, same types of same type of thing. And so I think sometimes what happens is like in this example is sometimes men are saying, Hey, wait, like that's not all of us, which is fair because it's not. Um, and like you are saying like, no, that's toxic. That's not just masculinity. But sometimes when somebody who's on top, if women are being or whoever else is being called up to be equal, the person on top that's going to feel oppressive. It doesn't feel like equality as it does right. for the people that were on the bottom, you know? Yeah. And, and, and not only that, but you then see, I mean, if you're, if we're going to talk a little <laughs> theology, um, you, you see this as a, one of the consequences of the, 
sin of our first parents, right? I mean, yeah. God, uh, however you understand the story, there God simply says, um, your desire will be for your husband. He will rule over you. Mm-hmm. And that's not normalizing. That's not right. prescribing. That's, right. that's describing now that what was intended to be co-equal intimacy um, right. and purpose uh, in mission is now a power struggle. Mm-hmm. And so you do have, you do see men trying to rule and, um, and, and it comes in all sorts of crazy different ways. So, so part of the problem I have with the phrase toxic masculinity is, well, on the one hand, yes, it's not everybody, but on the other hand, it, it kind of is if you buy the whole premise that, yeah, we're all fallen and, and right. in, in ways fall short and have to learn how to rightly relate to not only other men, but to women as not only, um, friends and coworkers and acquaintances, but then as, you know, significant others and spouses, mm-hmm. um, that's a tough, that's a tough deal. Yeah. What do you see? So, so if, if a guy's out there listening to this and going, okay, well, I, I do feel like we're being all lumped together and I feel like I don't have privilege. I'm, I, I'm, I've got this opioid there. Like Ohio is weird. It's got this huge heroin problem and this oh, massive opioid problem. Yeah, and it's among it's among white poor men primarily, mm. and 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 I think one of the reasons why Trump was popular is that he was, you know, um, appealing to their sense of disenfranchisement from oh, you know, sure. the liberal media or whatever it is. But how do you how do you go about um, showing? Uh, uh, I don't know how to best to ask this in the, the most correct way. So how do you go about showing somebody who doesn't buy mm-hmm. any of what we're saying that that's that, that what we're saying is true? Yeah, I, I think it, it, you can send stats, you can send, you know, um, whatever you want, news articles. Um, it's not going to happen unless they spend time outside of themselves. Um I did this thing on like my Instagram story. You know how you can do, well, now you're like so fancy. You do Instagram stories. <laughs> I got, I got no idea. I got, I got a guy. I got a guy that helps. And, and, and I don't know if you've noticed, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but sweet Nate Erie trolls me every time. I never thought I'm like Rob Bell and Erwin McManus. They don't get trolled by their children on Instagram. And yet here's big Nate. Anyway, I freaking love Nate. Oh um, my goodness. So good. So um, you can do stories where you like ask a question and then people can write in their answers. And so the, the question I asked, because I had seen it, like someone had done an experiment. So I'm like, I'll just do an experiment with the people I know. And so the question I asked on there was, um, what do you do um, either like to, like what precautions do you take to stay safe at night or during the day? For women? And, no, just or to anybody. Anyone. Anybody. Okay. And oh, what I see so, what you're doing. I see yeah. what you're doing. So what was so interesting is that, and then I reposted their answers. And so I, when I reposted it, I put it in two lines. Like men said this and women said this. And the right. women's side is like everything. It's like, totally. I don't park in parking garage. I don't wear my hair down. I don't go out past six. I never drink at night. I never, I never take a taxi cab. I mean, it's like line, line, line like, like literally just hundreds. And then there was one male that said nothing. I don't think about it. Right. And somebody wrote me and was like, holy crap. I had no idea. Like, I just didn't even know that that was something that crossed your mind. And so I think 
anytime we're having trouble understanding whether or not you end up agreeing. You could still listen and spend time outside of your own self and still disagree. But I think at any time, if you're willing and trying to be empathetic, your best bet is to listen. Hands nice. down. Come on. Listening is, is that's not masculine. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, that was toxic. And, what you and just I'm said. quoting totally. And I'm quote. So, so Bonnie sent me an article right before we went on the air that I have not had time to digest and vomit out, but um, mm -hmm. it, it's from, from some non-surprising folks who've been mentioned before in our so podcast. Add it again. Um, no, but it's so, it's just, oh, it's just so consistent. Well, and, and of course there, there's some things that are said here that are, that are absolutely right. Um, uh, mm -hmm. you know, one of, one of the things that, um, you know, uh, it's the article says is, Hey, we're, we, um, obviously join with God in, in confronting any violence, right. any abuse, um, mm -hmm. you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, but there's this, there's this, uh, this fascinating, they they and and this is just so weird. So they go into the word effeminate, right? In First Corinthians six and, nine, uh, for anyone yeah. who wants to follow. And <laughs> so so here's what the writer writes: Instead, our society celebrates what Paul calls literally soft men, a group that will not enter the kingdom of God. First Corinthians six nine. I can't. And and discomfort at this will not inherit the kingdom version of manliness is exactly a symptom of what the American psychological association finds malignant about traditional manhood. Now that that's another thing we haven't talked about is the APA adjusted um, some of they, they've called into question some of what is, has traditionally been associated with masculinity. So right. again, it's, it's, People see this through this part and parcel of a bigger agenda. Um, but as much as APA and LGBTQ people protest this is hate speech, the effeminate shall not enter the kingdom of God, and it is unloving not to say so. Now, wow. So, so, <laughs> so thank you. Thank you for being so consistent. I love, I love you, my brothers and sisters. Um, no, uh, there are no sisters. Okay. Well, that well, no, there, there are women that write for them. Absolutely. I, well, with the approval of their husbands. Absolutely. <laughs> now, I know that's cheap shot. I'm sorry. I got to continue reading this, Bonnie. And, okay, and please interrupt. I, I want your reaction to some of this too, because you're okay, writing well, the Bible. First of all, can you explain maybe to the listener who won't go and find this or Google it what they are defining here as soft or effeminate? Well, I, I'm going to go right. I'm going to okay, go right okay, now. Okay, go ahead. See, Bonnie, we're so on the same wavelength. We really are. While men who brutalize and manipulate represent one form of perversion, men who sit passive, complacent, spiritually and emotionally frail represent another. Okay, so, so, uh, uh, so toxic. Oh, so feminine means um, passive, complacent, spiritually and emotionally frail. Okay, so just get that, write those down. Mm -hmm. Spiritually and emotionally frail. What that emotionally heck? frail. <laughs> right, right, right. I don't even know what that means. Um, so also do men do men who rebel against their sex by acting like women, 
And too many classrooms that celebrate this perversion act as accomplices to confusing boys and girls of today. Paul commands men, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Um, And no, no. And he says, listen, um, David Mathis, so this is someone being quoted in the article, rightly tells us that the strongest men are gentle, but do not hear him saying that godly men are soft, fragile, weak, or effeminate. Um, they do not faint on the day of adversity. They dress for war every day against forces of evil. They are sacrificial imitators, not limp defers. Men who charge against the enemy gates, leading from the front and refusing to take cover behind their wives and children. They lead, they protect, they initiate, they love, sacrifice, they work, they worship. They are men. Uh, godly men are neither severe or effeminate. They have a sword, but use it against the dragon, not the princess in the castle. All right. So. So, so, so they're, they're saying, listen, um, on the one hand, you have this toxic, aggressive, you know, brutal, abusive form uh-huh. of masculinity uh, that is rightly being called out as toxic. Right. And on, on the other hand, but there's another form of toxic max- masculinity that isn't being called out and in fact promoted in our culture Mm-hmm. Namely, the soft man. And here's a Bible verse uh, to back it up, the word effeminate. And then we're going to smuggle in the contrast between effeminate and non-effeminate masculinity with a bunch of cultural constructs like swords and, um, and <laughs> yes, you know, I mean, exactly. so it's so it's absolutely it's absolutely it's loaded. Yeah. So what do you what did you um, what what do you think about the effeminate part? Yeah, I think it's um, to be kind. I let's think it's, go. Let's go Greek. What do you got yeah. on this? So I'm I'm looking it up and I'm like going, okay, I see. I I don't literally translated. Obviously, is my jam here. But um, is it says you know soft definitely. But I'm not picking up soft isn't how we are describe how they are or how our society would necessarily describe soft. The what I have here is it's like a self polluter. So somebody's that is like submit to unnatural lust. It's somebody that is destroying themselves in terms yeah, I of, I thought it was, I thought it was used in the context of sexuality. Yeah, it is. So it's like in six, nine, it's like, do not be sexually immoral. Um, idolaters, adulterers, men who practice homosexuality, thieves, greedy, drunkards, swindlers so it's like it's but if it's in the context of somebody who's polluting their own life so i don't think it's fair to say um at all it's totally emotionally frail to be like how the hell do you get emotionally frail out of that you don't it's terrible exegesis i mean terrible and it's um what the problem there is that then it i think it just drives the wedge deeper like these statements are made and then you wonder well, why aren't they coming to church and why aren't they following the gospel? You know what I mean? And it's just like, it's, it's awful because it's so, it's terrible exegesis. It's awful. It, so amen. Absolutely. <laughs> to, to, and, and that's the thing to pack this. And then he goes on. He, so he says, I just returned from a visit to the greatest place on earth. My wife and I were shocked at how oh many my men gosh. Did you boldly read that part? acted like women, lispy sentences, light gestures, soft mannerisms, and flamboyant jokes were everywhere to be seen. On display for a park flooded with children. No hiding it, no shame, no apologizing. This perversion of masculinity warranted no 
commercials. So, so, uh, and again, I, I, I always want to respect and say, yes, there's a point there. Uh, and I was making it earlier that passivity can be just, if not more damaging than aggression. No question. Right. And, and our culture is rewarding um, or at least permitting uh, men to not have responsibility in their sexual activities, um, in, in the ability to live at home until they're however old, right? I mean, da 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 da, da. Certainly, certainly men are um, not forced to mature they were they, they in the in the same ways they were in previous generations right mm -hmm. yeah I would agree I would say that's true um and there is of course a great deal of gender confusion no question I mean we can get it that's a whole topic right. we're gonna it's avoid different. like the plague right now so so yes I mean for for conservative Christian organization to say listen let boys be boys let girls be girls come on. Um, you know, Kate Hudson came out and she said he's, she's raising her child to be gender neutral. I know, but then she had like a pig swaddle and a pig bow. Right. So I was like, and, not really. Well, and, 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 and we would say from the Christian story, that's impossible. Right. Right. I mean, your genderedness is part of the image of God. I mean, no, no. Again, what is to be trans? Okay. I got all of those questions, but my point back to this article is what we've done is we've taken a one Greek word mm -hmm. and it seems we've pulled it way out of context. And now mm -hmm. we're defining it using stereotypes that are, that are very much directed at the LGBTQ, uh, LGBTQ community. Yeah. But not only that, we've, we've packed the word soft with anybody who is spiritually and emotionally frail, which, yeah. which is fan, which is incredible because the, the Bible seems filled with men who are spiritually and emotionally frail mm -hmm. and yet were used by God greatly. Yeah. Right. I mean, Oh, I just, I, I'm, I am astounded. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm astounded at some of this because, and I think, uh, well, anyway, keep going. <laughs> no, I mean, I will. And what's, I, I mean, I agree with you and it's tough because you look at, and you would say like, okay, well, what is it that we're defining as spiritually and emotionally frail? Like who, who's deciding that? Exactly. And what's like, why, why do you get to say? I take antidepressants. I take antidepressants. I've gone through two bouts of anxiety where I made some really bad decisions. I've, is, am I, so I'm frail, right? Right. I'm not going to inherit the kingdom of God. You're, or, you're dead are, now are you to that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just, like, it's, it's, idiotic it's so oversimplified it's unsympathetic yeah. it uh it's not pastoral i mean oh my goodness but, but just... yeah exactly i mean there's no bedside manner here at all but the, it really does beg the question if we're coming full circle here with like somebody like me right that is translating the bible and using all these commentaries and do all this stuff and people are upset about it yet those maybe those same people will read something like this and never check it and just go, Oh yeah, that's fine. And so what bugs sure. me is some of, some of the toxic culture, if we're going to talk about toxicity. Some of the toxic culture about any of these topics is because bloggers, people, whatever, have a tendency to take something out of context and then write a bunch of stuff around it. And we don't have a literate church to go, wait, no, that's not right. Like, I might right. still agree with your point here, but you aren't, aren't allowed to use God's word in that way. Do you right. know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. If you just want to make the general point, okay. Fine. Go for it. But yeah. to yeah. use it and then to kind of pack it in this language is, is oh. not, 
is not fair and it's um no. it's so and no, disappointing and it's harmful and it's toxic and it furthers toxicity which is a great system of a down song uh it yeah. furthers toxicity in its own way because now now we're confronted with the christian community yes right and the christian community has an incredible opportunity right so we clearly have been purveyors of toxic masculinity Mm-hmm. Right. So we've either we've either taught men that they have to be hyper aggressive, love MMA. Uh, if they, you don't drink beer, you're a pansy. I mean, and I mean, and, and all of that, you know, is said either playfully or seriously. But this fits into that sort of this right. article fits into that sort of mode. Or we've told guys, listen, you, it, you, Mr. Rogers is the guy that you need to be mm-hmm. and just be nice and polite and never, you know, and be nice and meek and passive. And Jesus turns out to be this. um you know, this very kind individual who never got angry or whatever. And you're like, well, neither of those are right. So right. all of that's true. It seems like the Christian community has an incredible opportunity to um, to lead the way yeah. on, on what it is to be masculine. Well, to develop a new construct for it. And, right. Right. So where would you start with that? Oh, my gosh. Oh yeah! <laughs> all right, I'll go. All right, I'll go first. Okay, and then you, and then you make it better. Oh well, we'll see. Go ahead. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I mean, so the first place I'm going to start, if I'm coming up with a construct for masculinity, is Jesus of Nazareth. Yeah. Right, yeah. because you know, right or wrong, or however you understand it, he came as a man. Now, God is not gendered. God is both masculine and feminine. All of that is true. Imageries used of God from the from feminine. Uh, imagery to masculine imagery. Got it, got it, got it, got it. But Jesus, um, for for those of us who follow him, seemed to embody a masculinity that was fully orbed. In other words, there was anger. Mm -hmm. Um, There was anger. And, and, uh, and, And how what he did with his anger is amazing in and of itself. There was passion. There was compassion. There was gentleness and firmness and this whole spectrum. He cried. Mess. Yeah. He, yeah. Oh, he wept. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he, um, he, and what Jesus did um, was elevate women in every encounter he had with them. He was not right. in any way, shape, or form threatened by strong women, spiritual women, or passive uh, about anything that was going on to women. Yes. Oh, yes. Exactly right. He yeah. inserted himself many times time in these situations. Mm-hmm. No, that's that's a great point. Absolutely. So I'm going to start building a masculine construct there and say, okay, so how did Jesus treat people? And there's a place for anger. There's a place mm-hmm. for aggression. There's a, so there's a place for the strong, manly yeah, right. Jesus. But there's also a place for Jesus, the Jesus who weeps over the city and the Jesus who has compassion and touches somebody and the Jesus who elevates women. They, they don't have, it's not an either or. And it's right. a, what it is, is the tension of trying to live in both that affects us and pro, uh, provokes change, right? Yep, yep. Would you agree with all of that? Yeah, I would agree with that. I think one thing you, I would ask you if I was like, say I was, re, if you were, you know, as people do, put out a document about it. Is oh, I, yes. <laughs> yes. And get all these signatures. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> the Bonnie and Mike statement. <laughs> it's official. On toxic masculinity. Uh, toxic masculinity. Is the question would be then, so so say that's your, you're, you, you're going to have a handful of people that are tracking with you. Are like yep. yes, totally, absolutely, uh huh, and then they would stop at, well, I'm not sure about. Um, they they might even stop. Of course, I'll interject and stand up for women when you do. 
but they would stop at, um, I'm not sure about um, how, how we're, I'm trying to remember how you worded it, but I'm not sure about, um, you know, raising women up, for right. example, or whatever. Right. And right, so, right, right. And so the question then remains, if we're going to say, here, here's a good starting point for biblical, you know, masculinity is, is it all in? Is there room here? Does that make sense? Like, if, absolutely. If raising women up is part of what it means to be masculine, then yes. you have, you're going to have a different definition. If someone's like, well, no, I just don't agree that women can't teach, speak, whatever. Correct. So yes, I would. So I would give about a thousand disclaimers yeah. <laughs> one of them, one of them being that masculinity can look a thousand ways. Femininity can look a thousand ways. Um, I don't want to reinforce all the stereotypes in it whenever we're talking about, you know, um, uh, gender. Right. Second thing is um, there, there is a, that I, I think gender differences are both culturally conditioned and some are innate. Yeah. The issue in our world is that the the right sees them as all innate mm -hmm. and the left seems to see them as all culturally conditioned. Now, and I'm oversimplifying. But so I'd want to walk that middle ground initially and say, no, no, I think there are some innate differences. Absolutely. And right. I think there are some culturally conditioned differences um, that, that we need to work on. And right. how do we teach sinful men how to channel uh, their masculine souls towards righteousness and not, you know, towards selfishness or power or whatever else. So all of that is absolutely true. When you go to Genesis 1 and 2, of course, I would argue the theological picture is absolute oneness, unity, mutuality, mm -hmm. um, no hint of inferiority or hierarchy at all. Hierarchy right. is a consequence of the fall. And we see in Paul, Paul's instructions, who Paul has been wrongly understood to be a purveyor of patriarchy, Paul's right. instructions, even in Ephesians, I think are radically egalitarian. Yeah. So that, Agreed. yes, yes, the way men are to treat women isn't uh, um, as uh, objects to be dominated or um, consumed or uh, we have to walk on eggshells now because women have all the power. Rather, right. they're co-laborers. They're, you know, it's this beautiful, beautiful picture. And that's what the New Testament teaching on gender is pushing us back to. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Right. So, so I'd start with all of that. Then I'd go to Jesus and I'd say, okay, let's just read a bunch of Jesus stories and note the characteristics of Jesus. Cause the scripture is very specific in telling us about Jesus's emotional state at several mm -hmm. places in his ministry. And if Jesus not coming as the perfect expression of manhood, but the perfect expression of humanity yeah. can then be translated into classically masculine categories mm -hmm. um and and uh, and we disciple towards that i think the church has an incredible opportunity to um to 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 have its me too moment result in something that's actually good i mean because nate i mean so uh, yes i have a 15 year old boy full of hormones loves playing sports um right you know and, and so here he is right right and, yeah. and, and who do I point him to? Who do I point him to as the, as the masculine example, right? The Jesus. masculine examples he follows. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. That's always so. the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's like Steph Curry and Ronaldo and right. Lionel Messi and, and, um, and then he sees politician. I mean, so, so there's this missed opportunity in the church to really do some good here about mm -hmm. what it looks like to elevate women. For some people, um, elevating women is simply the first step in acknowledging they're equal. 
Yeah. Right. That's your first step. Yeah. For others, it's stepping away from power and sharing it. Yeah. Um, right. So there's this big continuum. I mean, if it's mm-hmm. a, if it's my heroin addicted, you know, Trump loving neighbor down the street, then we're going to have a much different conversation than you and I are going to have. Right. No, that's fair. And I, what's interesting about it is everything you're saying here is a good reminder, too, that I think the church, the church can do just as good and develop um, a biblical like feminine path. I mean, for absolutely. Like, do you know what I mean? Like for me, for example, like I often get like, oh, you're a feminist and you think and it's like, no, I don't think that I think that I have qualities that are different than men. And that's what makes me me. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's what's yeah. different and that's what's beautiful. But um, like, for example, think about it. Like one, one of the things that's hard about this project, for example, and that's been true for almost my whole ministry is I don't fit necessarily with the women ministry, but I'm also not welcome at the table with the men. And so it's this weird. And so the people that I look to or that I'm like, who will I point my daughter to don't mm-hmm. necessarily have the same theology. And so uh, what do I do there? Do you know what I mean? And so in both of these, I think there needs to be kind of like a 2.0 of going, okay, like the pendulum is swinging. Can we stop it in the middle for a bit and try to figure something out? Nope, we can't. Because <laughs> then we have nothing to no, everyone's bored. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and it requires nuance and messy and hard conversations. And yeah. I mean, just I, I've been been so reminded, and, and this is where, uh, you know, I, I, I can't get off the hook of, okay, I can talk about toxic masculinity, but if that conversation doesn't drive me to look at me and how I treat mm-hmm. my wife, and do I treat my daughter and son the same way? And how do I treat women that I mm-hmm. work with? And I mean, like I called you sweet Bonnie earlier. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I mean, that is a playful thing. Um, and But do I call like Rick, sweet Rick? Do I call Andy, <laughs> Andy? I called him Andy Bear. I don't know if I ever called him sweet Andy. So so on the one hand, this is this is painful. And, and in some ways I'm like, come on, do I really have to worry about this stuff? And in other ways, it's such a good thing mm-hmm. because what, as I'm raising my son, I do want to raise him to be a man. Right. But what's that mean? Right. To redefine oh. it. I know. But it's like, but at the same time, like, I think we have a choice too. It's, it's, it's painful. And, but it's also like, I, I see these moments as the spirit working and going, oh my gosh, look, we get to step into something he's doing if we choose to do so. Yeah. And that's a beautiful thing. Do you know what I mean? Like that we don't have to other religions and thought process and stuff or uh, detachment or you just, you know, get your mind right or whatever it is. It's like, no, we have a living God that is reworking things for renewal and how beautiful that we get to be a part of the process of it. Yep. Um, you know, and, and I would agree, like even so, my husband, you know, he, he is very obviously a huge supporter and encourager and aware. And he was like, he said to me at work, he said, you know, my biggest thing at work now is making sure that women on our team are elevated when they, you know, the same as men and that I step in on others behalf. And he's like, because I was until you were open and honest about how it felt to be a woman, I had no idea, you know? And he's like, I just, I didn't even know. I just didn't. And you don't know what you don't know. You know what I mean? But once you do know, especially right. as a Christian, you have a responsibility to act different and to be different about it. And 
Oh, that's so true, Bonnie. And I see that raising my daughter versus raising my son. Yeah. My 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 son and I have all sorts of adventure conversations. My daughter and I have safety conversations. Totally. Well, you and know? part of that is it is needed. Do you know what I'm No saying? question. Part of it is it's needed, but at the same time, I would suspect you you because I'm a friend of yours, you challenge me to be adventurous and courageous and oh, brave. Yeah. And so that I know you want that for her. Do you of know course. what I mean? But it's not always, and I'm saying this from experience, it's totally not always the go-to when you're when it's your own kids or your own family. You know, it's right. like, oh my gosh, right. and you're kind of freaking out about it. I know even Scouts too. I mean, she's she's tiny. But and he's and Chip is eight. But even now, the way that Chip I look eight. at them is totally different. I know. I can't even feel like I'm old enough to have an eight-year-old. No way. But <laughs> just because you always think I'm like 18 still. <laughs> <laughs> listen, <laughs> listen, when people see you, all right, whatever gonna... you do to your skin, <laughs> whatever your, whatever skincare you got going is incredible. Well, it is. Because how, how old are you now? How old are you now? I'm 34. Yeah, there's, there's just no way. <laughs> you will, well, in my nice. heart, you will always, always be a 25-year-old with the maturity of a 75-year-old. <laughs> there you go. Someone was like, you've lived a lot of life, and it doesn't show here on your face. <laughs> right. But it shows right. in your heart. Like a well, thing. there you go. <laughs> but no, but right, it Bonnie. is different. And I just want to say one more thing. Some of it yes. is cultured. And I think all of this stuff is so messy and nuanced, like you said, and, and requires digging in and requires thought process. But like, if we are disciples, our whole point is to figure out what Jesus would do in this situation and how we can be more like him. Like that's the whole point of it. And so even me included, if we sit here and we don't take it to heart or we don't challenge ourselves and, you know, do something, I think we miss out not only on like creating a path for people that need to meet Jesus and know Jesus, but to be a part of the work that he's doing. That's the kingdom here and now. And I don't want to miss that. Preach. Preach on, <laughs> preacher. Love it. Gosh. All right, Bonnie. Well, uh, to those in the Vox community, my goodness. Um, this week's email should be really, really interesting because, I, and this has been the greatest thing about doing the podcast, Bonnie, and you know this. I mean, Oh my goodness, the questions, the thoughtful critiques, the mm -hmm. it's always so good. So I always feel like I have permission to throw dumb stuff out and and then uh and then have wiser people react to it and uh and tell me how to do it better. Um in this case, you're lumped in with me. Oh, because great. you said you well, you said you said <laughs> right at the beginning that um oh, you're just doing what I would do. And so <laughs> that 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 is bad for you. But anyway. Bonnie, thank you. Bless you. Thank you. Um, uh, brothers and sisters, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May God shine his face upon you. May the Lord lift up his countenance to you. And in these days, may he give you peace. Bonnie, thank you. Till next time. All right. See ya. See ya.